0: Welcome to episode 132 of the Glutton's for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno, thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. The Toronto Maple Leafs are chugging along in third place in the Atlantic Division at the time of this recording. They're not that good. But they're not bad either. They're just kind of meh right now. Those are my thoughts on the Leafs. But I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from my partner in crime in a second. But the Leafs are 1-1 and since the All-Star break. We are going to talk about just the general state of the team. We are going to discuss the trade deadline. What should the Leafs do to improve? Can they improve at this point? I mean, I would hope they think they can improve because they're not very good right now. And we're also going to touch on the playoffs, the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. Look at the playoff picture as we get closer and closer to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And of course, it is Super Bowl week. So maybe we might even give out a bet for Super Bowl 58 between Mm -hmm. the Chiefs and the 49ers. But before we get into all that, it is officially time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How are you doing today, buddy?
1: Anthony Bruno as always very happy to be here it's a beautiful sunny day in Ottawa Ontario went for a nice walk on my lunch break it was fantastic uh Bruno I just noticed over your right shoulder there you got the uh you have a little trophy there just uh thought you'd put that out there for the world age eh? just to uh, if anyone forgot if anyone forgot Bruno was the uh, heavyweight champ of uh Gillette drafted way back in the day so I guess he holds on to that trophy like a woman holds on to her, her uh, engagement ring.
0: I like that you noticed that, Laporte. That is yeah. the only trophy, like the only drafted trophy that exists. And because I was the last winner of the show, season five, okay. back in 2013, I'm holding on to the thing. So
1: yeah, it is what well, it is. My name should have been engraved on it, by the way. <laughs> is your name engraved on it? Or is it my just. My name like- is
0: actually engra- engraved on the trophy.
1: Wow! For
0: those who don't know, me and Lapore met on a reality show a decade ago called Gillette Drafted, and it was broadcast on Sportsnet, Mm. and uh, the rest is history. We're still great friends to this day. We do a podcast together, so we got to like each other a little bit, I guess, if we're doing a podcast together, but uh, I'm pretty sure the show is still available on YouTube for those of you who might be interested in checking it out but uh, again look at bruno
1: just trying to get everyone to watch because he won the (laughs) fucking thing but i'll tell you a funny story so it was love at first sight man because i remember i was being interviewed like throughout the process of the show and one of the questions they asked me was like okay of the other contestants who's who's the biggest threat who's the biggest threat to you and i didn't know anyone personally right because we're all from different cities and i was like fuck it's anthony bruno Like, I I I knew it. What a call, Lepore. Yeah, I knew I I knew when I saw your audition. I'm like, he's the guy to beat. I am like this guy. This guy knows what he's doing.
0: Oh, man. There's so many memories that come back from that show. And I can't even believe it's been a decade. Like, it's just absolutely insane that it's already been 10 years. But uh, yeah, that's the uh, the backstory of how bring it back. I know for real, man, I was so pissed off when the show got canceled after my season because yeah it was such a fun show and listen it wasn't like some massive show like American Idol or Big Brother or Survivor but it had a very niche following yeah people liked it yeah and there was there was a, a good group of people who were disappointed that that show went off the air it was just such a cool show cool opportunity for people like us
1: and uh yeah they should bring it back what the yeah, we, hell, should, man. we should pitch it. They got two hosts right here. Two guys who made it. <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Laporte. before we get into the hockey talk, I just want to ask you about your prediction for the Super Bowl because you're obviously a huge 49ers fan. So how are you feeling? The Niners right now, slight favorites mm-hmm. heading into the game. So how are you feeling, man?
1: Mm, I was kind of hoping we'd save that till the end of the show. But uh, I don't know, man. It's a weird feeling because... It sounds it sounds arrogant, but like I expected us to be here and the path was not what I thought it would be in terms of how the games went. But I saw the bracket, especially when the Eagles and the Cowboys went out and I'm like, well, we're going to beat Green Bay and then we're going to beat Detroit slash Tampa. So like I was I was pretty sure we would be here. But now you look across the field and you see Patrick Mahomes. So if you're asking me if I feel good about it. It's a weird thing because my brain says San Francisco. Like people were talking, was on Fox earlier today. They were saying like, this team is the most talented team since like the 90-whatever Cowboys on paper, position by position. And I mean, I say like, oh, I agree with it because I'm a 49ers fan, but like, you do look at the stats. It's like, yeah, that sounds about right. But then you look across the field and you see Patrick Mahomes. And if they were playing anyone but Patrick Mahomes, I'd be like, no, we're going to win. I'd be, I'd be very, very confident. Um, I am surprised we're a favorite. I will say that I thought maybe it'd be a pick them or a slight edge to the chiefs, the way the playoffs have gone. But what I've heard, I've heard different rumors of that line. Like I've heard someone say that all year people have been pushing the 49ers to win the super bowl. So there's a lot of future money on San Francisco and that's big money because people got odds like in the preseason or during the season or even in the playoffs for that matter. So they're they're trying to push people to um, uh, bet the chiefs, Because like then they get at least maybe they can even it out. However it happens, right? But I don't know. Do I feel good about it? Honestly, I'm like I don't. I don't. I think it's fear, man. I I think maybe maybe it's that because here you have this team, and you know as Leafs fans we spend all day talking about how to build our team, what is what this team needs. You know what I mean? And I look at the 49ers, and as far as like a cap world goes, you can't really build a better team. No, uh, on their roster like, is you, loaded it, from top it'd be easy to bottom. For, if 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 someone said, well, you, like, Prime Maren Rodgers could be your quarterback, it's like, yeah, but then we wouldn't be able to cap. There's a cap. We wouldn't be able to fit him in. So as far as a cap world goes, this is pretty well as good as you can do it. And here we are in, like, a what I think is, like, a 50-50 in the Super Bowl. And we've lost in two Super Bowls recently. They, I was how old? I'm going to say my age. I was like 12, 13 years old. The last time they won Steve Young, when we blew up the Chargers. So I want it, man. I want it. It's been a long time. So since you officially taking attention. the 49ers then? If my what? life was on, it sounds horrible, man. If my life was on it, I would bet the Chiefs. Yeah, the way that I feel about it, this yeah. reminds me exactly of last year's
0: Super Bowl, and I don't want to make the same mistake because I felt that the Eagles had the better roster Mm-hmm. then the chiefs i love the way that they were playing their defense had 70 sacks last season like they were getting after the quarterback like crazy a loaded roster from top to bottom jalen hurts playing out of his mind yeah. and then they get to the super bowl and mahomes andy reed travis kelsey the offensive line mm-hmm. doesn't even allow a sack like it was just a masterclass from the chiefs last year and i think the same thing is going to happen this year I think the 49ers have the better roster from top to bottom, and that's why they're favored.
1: But the Chiefs, man, I can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the smart money. Is, but like I said, we said the lines what's two and a half now. The, uh, the smart money is on the Chiefs, 100%. No doubt about it. Like as
0: soon as Championship Sunday ended and the odds came out, I immediately bet on the Chiefs. Yeah. So I've had like, I put in multiple Chiefs wagers, like going back to last week. Um, I don't want to make the same mistake because last year, I had the Eagles. I was feeling great. They were up by 10 at halftime. And then fucking Mahomes just comes storming back. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just, and, and this year the chiefs just have the better defense. So you're going to give me Patrick Mahomes as a dog in the super bowl with the better defense, the head coaching matchup is is kind of a wash, honestly, like Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid are like two of the best coaches in football, but I just can't bet against the chiefs at this point. The, the Ravens had a phenomenal defense they got through them they're going to be able to move the ball against San Francisco and who knows how Brock Purdy is going to play under these lights so yeah i mean i am all in on the chiefs so yeah. i'm hoping they i'm hoping they come through because they pissed me off
1: last year when they beat the eagles yeah and the the way i can kind of see it happening is if we win we have to do it like tampa did it we just have to smash them early and like that talent go at them. And it's a knockout right from the beginning. And it's never in doubt because as long as it go, as long as it's a game, no, Mahomes is going to make the play when he needs to make the play and you're going to lose. I hate to say it. So I'm on the chiefs and diehard 49ers fan, Michael Lapore
0: is also on the chiefs yeah it's it's again wow.
1: if i bet if, if my life and not a lot of people can do that i take pride in that I, I want people are like oh you're not a 49ers fan no i can really want them to win and have my doubts at the same time I and mean, maybe that's the effect of being a leafs fan but i don't know man i'm uh i'm scared Look at you man a I'm rational scared. sports fan michael yeah. lapore objectivity i try to be Love i try it. to be
0: it's time for a quick break for a word from manscaped this weekend is the big game the chiefs and 49ers meeting in las vegas and if you want to be ready for the game and you want to be the champion of facial fuzz then our friends at manscaped have you covered because they are prepping you for everything you need for game day Manscaped's beard hedger pro kit is the mvp of facial grooming join the 10 million men worldwide who already trust manscaped With our exclusive offer just for you, go to manscaped.com and use our code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping. Lapore, what better way to get prepped for Chiefs and 49ers?
1: That's right, Anthony Bruno. Guys, on Sunday, you're gonna be going to the bar, you're gonna be pounding some wings, drinking beer, being an absolute slob, losing all your money on the bets you're getting wrong, but why not look good doing it? get your hands on the beard hedger pro look like a million bucks and when you're broke and you're full and you've drank too much at least you'll look absolutely fantastic head to manscaped.com gfp20 for 20 percent off and free shipping
0: fellas look good feel good and play good on game day. And the way you're going to do that is by using our exclusive code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So head to manscaped.com right now for 20% off and free shipping using our code GFP20. It's time for an important message from BetterHelp, a sponsor of today's episode. Sometimes in life, we go through difficult times, whether that's personally, whether that's in a relationship, and your mental health cannot be ignored. And a lot of times, you can't tackle these situations by yourself. You need help. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. They make therapy easier and much less intimidating for a lot of people. BetterHelp lets you have therapy sessions as a phone call, video chat, or even messaging. Whatever is most comfortable for you. BetterHelp will connect you with one of 30,000 therapists in their network, and in most cases, you'll be connected with a therapist within 48 hours. So go to betterhelp.com GFP for 10% off your first month of therapy. Lapore, this service is incredible.
1: It is incredible, Anthony Bruno. uh, Mental health is something that's very serious. And be aware, if you're going through a dark time, you do not have to try to beat this thing alone. There are services out there that can provide you with some great help. BetterHelp is number one when it comes to that. As Bruno mentioned, there are different ways you can get in touch with people, different ways you can contact people. It's all up to you. Go to betterhelp.com GFP.
0: Join 4 million people who have used BetterHelp to live healthier and happier lives. So go to betterhelp.com GFP for 10% off your first month of therapy to connect with a therapist and see if BetterHelp is right for you. All right, man. Let's get into the hockey talk now.
1: Sure. Everyone's bored.
0: <laughs> so the Leafs <laughs> are one and one since the All Star break. They lost 3 2 to the Islanders, bounced back with a 5 4 win over Dallas. Now, Dallas was on the second game of a back to back. Their number one goalie, Jake Ottinger, was not in net. And it was a back and forth affair. It looked like the Leafs were going to lose again, but the core four was phenomenal. So I want to just get your general thoughts on this team right now because it just seems like if the core four doesn't show up, the Leafs have no chance in hell of winning a hockey game. Like, I look back to previous seasons. Like, even last year. Obviously, the ship was steered by the core four, but you had Michael Bunting, who scored 23 goals. You had Callie Yarncroke, who was a 20-goal scorer. Even if you go back the year before, Again, Bunting was that fifth option. Ilya Mikheyev was filling yep. the net. Andre Kasha, Jason Spezza. Hyman. Like... like, there were more guys. Yeah, even when you go back a little bit further to the Zach Hyman years, like, it always seemed like there was a couple complementary pieces outside of the core four who were producing. And, again, not to, like, an elite rate, but were filling the net at, you know, like a 20-goal pace, giving a little bit of secondary scoring. Now it's just non- existent with this team like the secondary scoring fucking stinks and if those four guys aren't producing and honestly John Tavares for most of the season has been pretty shitty outside of his production on the power play so really if Matthews, Marner, or Nylander are not pulling their weight on a nightly basis this team kind of stinks so those are my just general thoughts on on the Leafs right now I'm sure I'll expand on that as the podcast goes on but but what do you think of how the team is playing right now and coming out of the all-star break
1: well you said if the it seems if the if the main guys don't score it seems like like nobody else does well it doesn't seem that way it is that way (laughs) someone pulled it up nick alberga since december 1st domi four goals in 28 games camp three goals in 25 games nice two goals in 26 games mcmahon two goals in 21 games holmberg two goals in 16 games gregor two goals in 27 games and your boy Bertuzzi the big free agent signing in the summer one goal in 27 games
0: that's embarrassing
1: unbelievable and I was talking to someone earlier today about the Leafs and how the season's going this team right now I think on the nose they're on pace for 100 points imagine Bertuzzi was on pace for like 20-25 goals Domi like between 15 and 20 goals someone else with 10 to 15 like they'd be top of the division it's like that so close but so far thing. And it's fa- it's frankly embarrassing. Like how bad, how bad these guys' numbers are. Like you play in the National Hockey League, you should be able to put put the puck in the net once in a while. And I mean, with our power play unit, these guys don't get a lot like almost any opportunity. <laughs> like the second unit goes on usually with like 20, 30 seconds left. So they're not gonna get their cookies that way. But there's no excuses for this, man. There's no excuses. And we're at a point in the season where, I think we talked about this a week or two ago, like this is what it is. Like I'm not expecting Bertuzzi to just – go on a run and all of a sudden put the puck in the net and go on some sort of like these people
0: saying like "Oh, Bertuzzi saving all his goals for the playoffs like he did last Uh, year with the Bruins. I think that's fucking ridiculous. Like I'm not expecting anything from this guy down the stretch and into the playoffs, quite frankly.
1: No, what a mess, man. Is this one of those ones? And I always say I'm not making excuses. I'm asking the question where we're going to find out in the summer he was battling a bad injury all year. Like one of those, because this is bad. Like this is really bad.
0: I don't think so, just because, really, he's only had one really good season where he scored 30 goals. I believe he had another 20-goal season, mm-hmm. but he has not consistently been a great player in this league. And we've talked about this on previous shows. Thank God the Leafs only signed him to a one-year deal. And the same thing with Domi, because both of these guys are going to be out the door in the offseason. I, I don't I don't think he's battling anything. I just don't think he's very good. And he's gotten so many opportunities to play with our best players now, I get that him and Domi are not getting power play time. And listen, I I agree with Sheldon Keith. I would play the star guys on the power play into the ground as well because they're the only guys home. who produce. I'm not giving a minute, maybe not a minute, but I'm not giving 45 to 50 seconds of, of the power play to Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi and these other cast of characters who can't, hit the damn net to save their lives and put the puck in the net there's no fucking way no. i'm leaving my star players out there just like edmonton does just like pittsburgh and washington used to do when they were at the top of the nhl with all their star players like screw that i'm leaving all those guys out there for as long as i can on the power play because they're the only guys who are producing on a night-to-night basis
1: yeah it's I'll ask your opinion on this I'm usually of the opinion people come forward and say, they're talking about trade deadline deals. And okay, would you trade this guy away as part of a deal? That never happens. Or that very rarely happens where you take somebody off your roster to add something else because you're trying to load it up, right? At the deadline. This year, if they can, I don't think that's off the table. I I think the Leafs would do something like that. Like I would trade Bertuzzi. I would trade Domi. If, if the deal made sense. And again, like you have to look up non, uh, no movement clauses, this and that, but like, what do they have to lose? These guys are putting up donuts. It's, it's like, I have no, I have no words. Like the Bertuzzi thing, man, people talking about how, oh, he's bitten, and I've never seen a player this unlucky. Yeah. You can say that over a short sample size. We're like the two third, what are we like? Two thirds of the season done. No, this is who you are. And Bruno, you have his stats in front of you. How many goals did he score last year? You brought up that like, he's only had one really good year. I think he scored like, like six goals last year, like 12 goals.
0: Yeah. So Bertuzzi this year has six goals in 48 games, oh 21 God. points in 48 games. So he's scoring at less than a 15 goal pace and less than a 40 point pace. But if we look at his career, I'll look at his career stats once again. So he actually has two 20-goal seasons back with the Red Wings in 18-19 and then nineteen twenty, And then he had a 30-goal season in 21-22. So my mistake, he's actually a three-time 20-goal scorer, not a two-time 20-goal scorer. But last year, Lepore, in 50 games, split with the Red Wings and Bruins, he had eight goals.
1: Yeah. So, so I was being generous with 12. I with wonder why I said 12. I but I, now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, it was single digits. Like, what? what and it's funny too because in that role it's like that whole like the guy who's gonna play in the top six I mean there was Hyman there was bunting and I think with Hyman at the time anyway we thought we knew what he was and it was just the thought process of he's gonna get a big contract it's gonna be too much someone's gonna give him too much money and too much term and it's unfortunate we love him but we gotta let him go and we always kind of wish we could keep him somehow But we just knew with the circumstances, we couldn't. And then it moved to Bunting. Okay. And Michael Bunting was like one of the best contracts in the National Hockey League for what he was producing. But the take on Bunting, I kind of think people had the thought. It wasn't like Hyman, where like, we wish we could keep him. With Bunting, it was kind of like, no, he's fucking gone. Like, we're not going to give this, we wouldn't even consider giving this guy that kind of contract. And it's funny, you look at it now. And i trade Bertuzzi for bunting in a second. I think we all would. Oh, my God, man. Yeah, so looking
0: over the last two seasons, Bertuzzi has 14 goals in his last 98 regular season games.
1: Uh, He's going to be playing in Europe next year, man. Like, Like, what what
0: a fall from grace. Because he showed, like, really nice flashes. That year he was a 30-goal scorer for the Red Wings. And then, like I said, he was a two-time 20-goal scorer before that. And he's always been, you know, the years that he scored 20 goals, he had 47 points, 48 points, 62 points in 68 games the year that he scored 30. So you'd think he would be, like, trending up. And you know what? And then last year with the Bruins, like, when he got traded to Boston, he had 16 points in 21 games. So producing at a pretty solid clip. And then he had 10 points in seven playoff games. So we figured, all right, like, he's back. Like, even though he had a rough season with with Detroit specifically last year, he bounced back at the end of the year with Boston, had a good playoff run. We're like, all right, I don't know if he's going to score 30 again, but Bertuzzi seems to be back. And, oh, wait, he's going to be playing with Matthews and Marner on the top line? I was going to Holy say, shit, like, yeah. this is – what a situation for this guy. And I'm sure he was thinking the same thing. One-year prove-it deal, five and a half million. I get to play with two of the best players in the world he thought he was going to roll out of bed and score 20 goals. And now the guy has six goals in 48 games. So it's, it's been a colossal disaster. And I agree with you. I don't think it's off the table that they unload this guy at the deadline.
1: Yeah. He's he's only
0: on a one-year deal, right? So there there's going to be some possibilities out there. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't say it's like out of the realm of possibility.
1: It's kind of been the ultimate backfire for him because him and his agent were probably sitting there thinking exactly what you just said. It's a one-year deal. I'm playing with Matthews and Marner. I'm going to get my points easily. Going to hit free agency. And who knows what I'll get. And now you look at it. And all those aspects are a negative. So you were playing with Matthews and Marner. And you can't produce. And there's the spotlight factor of playing in Toronto. So everyone around the league knows that you stink right now. I don't even know what's going to happen to this guy next year. Like, what What he's going to be offered. It, it, like Kind of like what Bunting got. Like, no one's going to give him $4 million.
0: No, there's no way. And no one's going to give him a long-term deal either. Like, yeah. didn't Bunting sign a three-year deal with the Hurricanes? Like, four mi-
1: three or four years at, like, $4 million, I think it was. I think it's going to be a similar
0: contract. And listen, Bunting was a better point producer than Tyler Bertuzzi is
1: would As you again. give him would you be willing to keep i mean depending on the price like would you be able to would you be willing to keep him in the off season for a lesser price no not even no, not i don't even. want to
0: keep this guy because not only has he proven that he can't play with matthews and marner he can't even play with Tavares and nylander no matter who you put him with he's not producing and he's not gonna have a chance to play on the power play and that's the thing like there's other situations around the league where maybe a guy like this would get a little bit more power play time, like even thinking back to his time in Detroit. But At like, the man. time, he was one of Detroit's better players. You know, he was like a, a, a young, up-and-coming, good player. They gave him opportunities in all situations. In Toronto, this is his role. Like, he's not going to be playing a minute plus on the power play. He's not taking the... He's not taking opportunities away from the core four on the power play. So you would think his numbers would come down a little bit, but Laporte, that never really affected Michael Bunting or even yeah. Zach Hyman for that matter. Like, now those guys saw a little bit of power play time, but not that much. And they were still producing. So this is just a terrible look. And I love the point you made that, like, he's in the spotlight here. It was like Bunting. Like, remember all the penalties that yeah, he drew? Yeah. <laughs> And then the whole thing about, oh, Bunting's like a diver. And then all the refs were after him. Now you don't hear any of that stuff with him. Oh, of course
1: not. Of course not. And and I'm
0: sure there's other players around the league like Bertuzzi who are having shitty seasons. And no one kind of really knows that it's happening because they don't play for the Leafs.
1: Exactly. Horrible. But when I say less money, I'm talking, would you sign him for another one year at 3 million, put him on the third line?
0: That I might be able to stomach.
1: But if yeah. this guy wants
0: any sort of term, I'm going to say no fucking chance.
1: See, I think I would do that. I think it's a situation where he's just, I mean, it's its kind of across the board with our depth. Everyone's too high up the lineup, right? And we'll get to that when we talk about, like, what this team needs to do to get better. But I just think he's too high up the lineup. I think on the third line at a reasonable salary, like, I mean, every, I think everyone would agree with that. If you got Bertuzzi on your third line, that's pretty good.
0: So and, then would you do the same with Domi? Would you resign him to like a
1: one year deal for less than what he's making now, which is three million dollars? I would give Bertuzzi the three million Domi's making, and I would give and Domi's a million on the fourth line. Take wow. it, you, you, you want you want to stay in Toronto? You're the fourth line center. This is what your career is now. I mean, he got paid. He got his deal where he made money. You want to be a Leaf? This is where it's going to be on the fourth line for a million bucks. <laughs> Wow, life comes at you fast. Well, what are you going to give Kyle them? Bertuzzi and Max Domi. My like, wh- wh- goodness. What would they even counter with that? Well, no, they have no they... leverage.
0: That's the thing. They have zero, zero leverage at this point.
1: Zero. Like, b- bring up the their... I, I love looking at... Uh, it really hits you in the face when you-, you go on the score app and you look at the game log. Like, when guys are cold and you just see like, donuts. Just show them that. Like, what are you asking for? What? Zeros across the board Forever. You can't come here and be like, I want more. No, I want the same. No, like, like, what do you you think this is? I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a charity, but we're not that big of a charity. Oh, my God. You have to be good to get overpaid in our city, at least.
0: And it's even more pronounced because Callie Yarncroke was like the only other guy producing 10 goals in 46 games. And now he's injured. Matthew Nyes, who's technically a rookie, even though obviously we saw him in the playoffs last year. He hasn't been very good. Like, what is that an excuse? I feel like, I
1: feel I feel like Nice is getting a lot of excuses. Like, oh, he's a rookie and he's trying to find himself. No, no. You're having I, I, none I, of it, eh? No, I look around the league and I see rookies doing really well. I see young players doing really well. This guy was a cheat code in the NCAA. He stood out. Like, I watched the tournament, the, the Frozen Four, because I'm like, I want to see this nice kid, like, in full game. He stood out.
0: And guy's physically, hot... Lapore he was he was ready to step right into the NHL. Like yes. this is not a small guy. This is like one of the bigger guys on the roster. Powerful, yeah. physical, great athlete, and he is just not producing whatsoever. He's in the same boat as these other guys. And sure, you give him a little bit more of a benefit of the benefit of the doubt because he's a rookie. But holy shit, he is and just the salary because
1: well. he's a rookie, you're not pissed off at what the player is getting paid, but. These guys are kind of all the same. My saying is always, and I, something I use with my kids, you don't want to be the player where the play goes to die. And I feel it's like every time that puck goes to what I'm just like, mm-hmm. they're going to lose it. The, the, the puck's going to go back the other way. They're going to do the wrong play. What I find with Bertuzzi is, and I remember someone telling me, Ken Holland was big on this. You always hear in hockey. Okay. Like there's a certain right plays, Like you put it off the glass. You throw it at the net. It's never a bad play to throw it at the net. Or you're down low, put it in front of the net or in the high slot. Look to the point. I find with Bertuzzi, he's like that, but it's to an extreme. It's like he always makes kind of like the obvious play that he should make and like something I would tell my 11-year-olds to do. But it just doesn't. Yeah, because he has no skill or
0: creativity. That's yeah. Maybe that's
1: it. It's like he just like throws in front, turnover, we lose it. It goes back the other way. It's just like like again the way he skates too. He's like very choppy,
0: and I'm not expecting him to fly around the ice like Nylander or or Marner. But holy cow, man! Like he's a lot more like Tavares than those other guys. Like no foot speed. Mm -hmm. But even John Tavares again. I, I said this on I think it was the last podcast. I am so done making excuses for this guy and i'm saying this when he's in like the middle (laughs) of a mini hot streak here where he's actually scored a couple goals yeah but that guy man it's it's the same issue right because you're paying bertuzzi and domi a combined eight and a half million and those guys have scored 10 goals combined and then you have john tavares who's basically a zero almost a zero at five on five like if he wasn't producing on the power play i mean his numbers man like let i'll even look at it right
1: now yeah, but that's easy to say. That's a lot of guys in the NHL. And I'm not fully that's, defending. That's
0: fair. But I think with him, it's more pronounced because, obviously, because of the salary he makes. Like, when you're making $11 million a year, man, you've got to be able to produce a five-on-five. And For I sure. get that he's, he's sure. getting older. But I, I'm so done giving this guy a pass. I, I'm so finished with looking at his stats at the end of the year and being like, oh, he's near a point per game. Yeah. Again, Tavares, 40 points in 49 games. So he's a little bit below, like, his typical pace. But just the eye test, man, when you watch this guy on a night to night basis, like holy cow, he is like you want to talk about the play going to die? The play goes to die a lot with John Tavares. I'm sorry, that, that's just the way it is. And you can come at me and tell me like I'm being a little bit too tough on the captain, but I'm expecting a lot more out of that guy. Like, even like, for example, I compare him to like Steven Stamkos. I feel like Steven Stamkos has aged a lot better. John Tavares has. They're the exact same age.
1: Better body.
0: They're... Yeah, like, like Stamkos, yeah. I think, has always just been, like, the better athlete. Yeah. He's been more explosive, and that's helped him as he's aged. But Tavares, man, like, holy cow. Now that we're getting to the end of this contract, he's just not giving enough whatsoever.
1: It's it's funny how you know, like, with those big... Bo- like, I would have said five years ago, Stamkos is going to age better simply because of his body. Like, I'll look at Matthews and Marner. Marner's going to age better.
0: Yeah, 100%. Because he's,
1: he's slimmer, faster... It'll, it'll work out Same with
0: Nylander. He's going to age better probably than Matthews as well.
1: Yeah. And I often talk about this show. Hockey's a funny sport. And like, I feel like no other sport. I say, I always use the term unconscious bias. We look at certain players and how they look, everything from their gear to the look on their face, and we expect something out of them. Right. And how much of that all around and everyone's guilty of it. Because everyone thought, oh yeah, Bertuzzi is a good player, and he does this and he does that. When the Leafs got him, even other fans of other teams were saying, "Oh my god, like that's a good ad for Toronto." How much of that his reputation is the last name Bertuzzi, the the long well not long anymore, but the long hair. He's got he's got like a two uh, a tooth or two gone. He wears his gear weird it's just he looks like this like grizzly kind of guy and it's so it's like oh my god like this heart and character and he's going to bang and crash and score 20 goals and put him with skilled guys and he's the missing piece he his number was a it 59 it's just like a it's a number that kind of represents like a, a straggly player you know what i mean not a finesse player and i wonder how much of it is that that we were all kind of fooled by this and and it sounds stupid people be like oh no no it, it affects you man It totally affects you. I find Nylander is the ultimate example of you could look at that player and make a judgment, but he perfectly meets it. So it's fine. (laughs) So so it's fine. Like silky smooth, cool scores, all that can skate, develops plays. And Bertuzzi is like the opposite, but he's not doing anything. He's just, we've been fooled. Right. And I I always say that because hockey, man, it's a weird sport. And whether we like it or not, we have these things in our head of what a player should look like, what a player should do. Like, remember uh, Matthews when he came in the league? They were like, oh, he's not going to be a scorer. He's going to be more of a, a Kopitar. Why? Because he's big? Like it, Because that, he's that big would...
0: and he's American and we and didn't he's not hit anyone when yeah. he was playing in Switzerland. We yeah. thought he was a finesse player, which he, I mean, he is a finesse player, but like mm-hmm. we we rushed a judgment on these guys based on, you know, their prototype, based on Comparables that we've seen And you know what, it's the same with Max Domi We think about Ty And we yeah. think about him missing a tooth And him mixing it up in the playoffs You know, it's the same thing with Bertuzzi So we have like these Ideas about what these players are Because of these You know Because you we've been you know, conditioned Over the years to to think like this When it comes to these different hockey players And to categorize hockey players Based on how they look Based on how they They move how they skate based on their personality even off the ice Mm -hmm. and with Bertuzzi yeah I think I think we were fooled a little bit and especially coming off that playoff run with Boston that was the talk like man this guy had 10 points in seven games with the Bruins he was one of their best players he was mixing it up in that playoff series with Florida this is the exact type of character and grit guy that we need and now he he stinks
1: and that adds to it too, Bruno, because our last vision of him was a Boston Bruins jersey. So yeah. that that adds to it even more. It yeah. was like I, on the Dangle podcast, they're actually talking about it, Lilligren. Remember how Lilligren was like projected to go first overall? And then I think yeah, he, got so then mon- he had mono, mono. In his draft
0: year, and he flew down the draft board. Yeah, and I think they didn't even
1: know he had mono. They found out later that, that he had mono. So the everyone thought the Leafs got a steal. It was like fifteenth or sixteenth overall, and it, immediately it was. Then they were talking on the podcast, and I totally remember this. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's Eric Carlson." It's like simply because he's Swedish, a, right-handed shot. The, yeah, he you know he can move the puck. He was putting up points in whatever league he was playing, whatever Swedish league level he was playing at the time. And it was like, oh, he's with the least got Carlson. It's like he, he, that's like the top five defenseman <laughs> of, of all time. That's a right? first
0: ballot Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, it just it's funny these comparisons and and these quick things people do. But here we are. Even nice man. How are we? Is is like that? Oh, he's big. And, like, he moves his arms a lot when he skates and he chugs. You're not fucking doing anything. It's frustrating. It's
0: it's so frustrating. We have so many preconceived notions about, like, all of these guys based on all the factors that we talked about. And before even, like, watching these guys play for the Leafs. And it's the same thing with every fan base. Like, you just, you have this belief about how a guy is going to play, what he's going to provide the team. And then sometimes it it actually ends up the way you think it's going to end up. And sometimes it becomes a colossal disaster like it has with Bertuzzi and Max Domi.
1: So I'll make this point. I'll make this point and we'll move on, Bruno. And this makes it even worse. Okay. And this is why it's an ultimate kick in the nuts. Do you remember it was years back? Obviously we played the Habs on opening night and Kapanen, what did he do? Like he threw a stick or something on a, I forget what exactly what he did, but the, the, the Habs got a penalty shot for whatever he did. And the camera went on Domi. And you can read his lips. And he said, Cabby, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking idiot. With like a smile on his face, right? Just trolling him. Have you seen that once from him this year in Toronto? Like behavior like that? Because we'd be ecstatic. Well, at least he's doing that. Right? No. No. A nice pass once a game. He gets his moment once a game where he makes a silky smooth pass. Everyone's like, ooh, yeah, great. Nothing happened. So nobody cares after the game. Bangs. So with all
0: these shitty bottom six players who aren't producing and providing anything substantial for this Leafs team, what should the Leafs do at the trade deadline? Because we are getting very close to the NHL trade deadline. The Leafs right now playing at a 100-point pace. Who knows if they're even going to finish as a top three seed in the Atlantic division. Like, they might fall into a wild-card spot. So what does this team do? Because Elliot Friedman in his latest 32 thoughts talked about how the Leafs are, are still very interested in Chris Tanner, defenseman for the Calgary flames. You would think he's going to get traded at some point, being on an expiring deal, Calgary, they're not a serious team this year. Um, but it seems like the flames, at least according to Elliot Friedman are kind of holding, holding off for the time being. Cause I think they want a first round pick and they want as many assets as possible. And, Based on what Friedman said, the Leafs weren't willing to give a first round pick because the Leafs don't have seconds, a lot of top (laughs) picks in the next few drafts. Like, it is bad. That cupboard is bare in terms of prospect, in terms of draft capital. Honestly, even prospect capital at this point, like Easton Cowan, Fraser Minton, and Matthew Nyes, who I I, I mean, I don't need to call them a prospect anymore, but that's about it. Like, who else is in the system right now that anyone's excited about, right? So, I don't know, man. I don't know if Brad Treliving is going to pull the trigger and trade away some draft capital here, but, you know, there's another thing that Friedman reported is the Leafs are also interested in a centerman. He didn't mention any names, but they I've seen, like, Scott Lawton's name tossed around from the Flyers. So, what, what do you think the Leafs should do here? Because the Eastern Conference is kind of wide open at this point. Like, there's really not a single team that that scares me like last year you had Carolina who was a wagon you had the Devils who were an absolute wagon the Rangers the Rangers are having a good season but I felt like they were even scarier last year Mm -hmm. this year the Bruins even though they're having a great year I don't think that they're that good Florida's having a good year but I'm not like overly scared of any of these teams so saying all that what the hell should the Leafs do with the trade deadline
1: I have would have a hard time swallowing a legitimate rental right now. If you want to trade some like, you know, sixth and seventh rounders, fifth rounders for some depth in case some injuries happen, but you have to earn getting better at the deadline, making your team uh, a better, a higher level of contender. And the Leafs haven't earned that yet. And we just spent some time blaming people for it, but this is where we are. I would have a really hard time making a deal that did for a player who did not have term, and it's like, hey, it's a it's a future thing and we're just making the deal now because it makes us better. And there is the point, yeah, because we don't have our seconds because I think we lost a couple because of the McCabe deal. Um, but we can't, because of that, we can't get rid of our first. And, so you, and as you said, the cabinet's not that strong. So no, trading a first round pick would suck. So would I trade a first round pick if it's a player on a decent contract who's a quality player with term? Yeah, I mean, that's something I would do or consider, but... At the deadline, man, I don't think the Leafs are there because I think too. Each one over the Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference, man, like I got no idea who's gonna come out of it. The Leafs could win the conference or lose in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised. So you're not gonna make yourself that much better. Where it's like, oh my god, you're a different team now. So take, maybe just take your chances with what you have. And we've seen ridiculous thing happens in the playoffs. Maybe all of a sudden. Sammy comes in and he's putting up a 935 save percentage and then rides the Leafs to the cup because, I mean, ridiculous things happen like that in hockey because hockey makes no sense. But in terms of the deals, I mean, the, the ideal moves they could make would be kind of like how I was referring to for the offseason, something that would move guys down. It doesn't have to be significant, like you're adding a superstar, but maybe add a guy who could play with Matthews and Marner and then now Nice can go to the third line. And then maybe you could work something out. Okay, maybe you move Jaren Kroc up. Bertuzzi goes to the third line. And then, okay, maybe a third line center that gets Domi to the fourth line. And then kind of everyone gets better. You always hear that in uh, in baseball. You're a big baseball guy, Bruno, with pitchers. It's like, well, not only did you get a really good pitcher, and now everyone moves down in the rotation. So it makes you even better in the head-to-head matchups, right? So I think moves like that, and the same goes for the D the same especially goes especially
0: the- on defense because you know the name that sticks out to me lapore mark mm. Giordano. he you sticks. hate gos he is brutal man i'm yeah. sorry i know that he's had some some good flashes for this team ever since he came over from seattle and he's been a good veteran presence back there playing on the third pair playing up in the lineup at times but he is so washed up at this point i i will be so furious if this guy's playing like 18 to 20 minutes a game in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I won't be able to watch.
1: Yeah. What do they got? It's him and Lily. They've been doing lately. I mean... Uh...
0: I At this point, like, I just... I He can't be playing. He can't be playing regular minutes if you're a serious team. If you actually want to make a serious run in the Stanley Cup final, that guy cannot be playing minutes in the playoffs. Well, so, they gotta, if you they acquire eye. a guy like Chris Tanev, does that move Giordano down as, like, the seventh defenseman who now is, like, just coming in if you have an injury... That's why I like Tanev. He's also a Toronto guy, like Mark Giordano. I don't think Tanev's going to make like a huge difference or anything. Well, that's like the thing. Han- like Noah Hannafin's a good player. Yeah, he would make more of a difference, but you're going to have to give up more. And then it's like, how do you resign him after that? Yeah. Whereas Tanev is more of a more of a rental, and he you could probably retain him on like obviously a way more digestible contract moving forward. But he's but old too, eh, Bruno?
1: Spot. What is Tanev? Thirty four.
0: Yeah, Tanav. I, be- I want to say he's the same age. I think he's a year older than Tavares. I think he's an 89 and Tavares okay. is a 90.
1: Well, 34. So what kind of deal are you gonna give him?
0: That's the thing, right? Like if if you retain that guy, you're not he, you know, you don't have to give him a big deal, and he's probably gonna take a hometown discount because he probably wants to be a leaf. Now, yeah. you we always joke around this guy wants to be a leaf. He wants to be a yeah. leaf. I, I genuinely believe we all genuinely want to be believe that Chris Tanav at some point in his career. Um, yeah, but yeah, like that, that would be a move I'd make. And then up front too. Like, yeah, this team has a depth issue across the board. So any way that you can both <laughs> are the top six, and I don't know what moves are out there because it's going to be tough. Just like salary cap wise, as it is for most of the top teams in the league. But I think we just need to be honest with this roster. Like my friend was texting me yesterday. He's like, man, he's like, the Leafs might miss the playoffs. And I'm like, listen, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. They'll find a way to get in whether it's the third seed in the Atlantic or as a wildcard team. But can we just be honest that this team is not very good? No. Like, I think across the board, we can all admit that this team is not nearly as good as last year's team. The team two years ago, three years ago. That was like, it's giving team. me vibes of that 2019-2020 team. Like, the COVID team. When Sheldon Barry. Keith came mm. in after 25 games, when Babcock was fired, and then... You know, you had the COVID stoppage and then they came back, the return to play plan and the Leafs lost to Columbus in the qualifying round. I'm getting the same vibes like that team was not a serious team. They were a playoff team, but not a serious team. And I'm getting the exact same vibes with this team. I'm just not expecting much. And maybe you could say, oh, this is the year when you don't expect anything. They're going to pull a Florida sneak into the playoffs and then go on a run. But I don't know how you could seriously look at this roster right now and be like, oh, it's coming. It's well, coming. No. They got the pieces. It's coming at some point. Just got to be patient here. I just don't feel that way at all.
1: No, no, no one's saying that. But did we say we had the discussion, man, with the off season? And again, we were fooled. We can admit when we're wrong on this podcast. We were having a discussion of is this the best team of the Matthews of Matthews era? Saying is this a what? What is this team going to put? We hammered the what was their over under? It was like one Oh six and a half and or something. We both hammered the over, saying no, no, no. We did. Be. Yeah, oh, man, this team's going to put up at least what they did last year. Come on, we got Bertuzzi. Here we are. But
0: <laughs> Man, gonna I know, be...
1: thinking back, like, we, we
0: did an episode talking about if this is the best Leafs team of the Matthews, Marner, and Nylander era. And you know what? Listen, there's still a chance that they hit the over on that point total. Like, yeah. if they go on a little run here, it's possible. They're playing at 100-point pace. We need them to play at, like, 107-point pace but it is not looking good at all i think we both come to the realization that we are not going to win that bet
1: it's it's a bad sign when as a fan you are very much looking forward to the off season because you you do look at this roster and this team's going to be way different next year way different i mean brody's contract is done bertuzzi domi man it's it's gonna we're gonna see what happens with samson off wall marty, marty jones so that's the thing i'm kind of holding on to like as a leaf fan is that a team with matthews marner Tavares, nylander and riley has been able to get the supporting cast to put up 115 points and be a contender okay what anyone says when you put up 115 points you're a contender so it's almost like trev gets another shot at it next next summer where it's like okay well what are you gonna pull now and what are you gonna do and as for adding man like the tanev thing We're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And when I say that, all the talk is always about like, oh, their scouting department is so big and their advanced stats team is is the biggest in the NHL and they invest more in it than anybody else. Okay, then do something smart. I can make a phone call and be like, yeah, Tanev for a first in Minton. Congratulations. I'm glad our organization is worth billions of dollars that we pull a move like that. So get a move that no one's expecting that you've done your research on and you've sent scouts and you know it's going to be a good fit and you're confident in it and it doesn't cost you much. How about we see that? Because it's actually kind of funny because, and again, we're quick to criticize our team, okay? We're very quick to criticize our team. Like I said, the Leafs staff, the advanced stat stuff, all that. We put more money in everything than anybody else. You look at how the team's constructed, okay? Pay star players a lot of money. My 11-year-old nephew could do that. Just be like, well, if we had Nathan McKinnon and, I don't know, Dreisaitl and
0: Pietrangelo,
1: Pasternak, Pasternak and Pietrangelo, you know, we could figure it out and be pretty good. Well, you he's don't not have wrong. to be a genius to know that you have to pay your elite players. Yeah, but to, to, I'm saying more in, in the side, on the side of, like, building your team that way. And, like, the way I always kind of saw it is, like, they think they can get value everywhere else. It's like lock up the good players and get the value. Well, you failed miserably this summer. You failed miserably. So here we are talking about the Leafs potentially missing the playoffs. It's pretty sad.
0: It's pretty they sad to come to this. But... They
1: won last night, by the way, and beat the first place Dallas <laughs> Stars. Yeah, and we're still down on this team. I know, wow, pretty fun. crazy. Expectations, man. I'm sorry.
0: I'm it's sorry. Pretty crazy. And you know what? I wasn't even that impressed with that win over Dallas. Because, again, it was just the core four putting the team on its back. And if they didn't do that, the Leafs would have lost to Scott Wedgwood on the second half of a back-to-back. And they almost yeah. did. Yeah. Um. And listen, I don't think Trilliving could possibly do any worse than he did this past offseason. So you um, got to think it's
1: only up from here. But uh, I'm kind of scared to see what he's going to do with this team. Yeah, I've said that to people. I'm holding on to that, too. I'm holding on to this team's going to be very different. And I'm also holding on to it can't get any worse. He can bring in anyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> and, could royally fuck up this roster. I, I hope he doesn't, but man, oh man, I do not have a
1: lot of confidence in him based
0: yeah, on but it what can't he be, just did
1: this offseason. But Bruno, it can't be worse than it is now. Like that That's what almost gives me optimism.
0: Yeah, I think the, the key thing for him is figuring out what he's going to do with that extra Tavares money once that comes off the books at the end of next season. Like preparing for that, because that, that I think is just going to be like a massive turning point for this team, because then you would like to think that Matthews, Nylander, and Marner are probably all going to be here long term. And then, what do you do with that extra money? Do you bring Tavares back on a cheaper contract? Do you let him walk and hand the captaincy to someone else? That's what I would do personally. Do you you'd use let him walk? that money on a defenseman? Like, what do you do with that? I think that's going to be like the biggest decision that this team has to make because the way that this team is constructed, I mean, listen, it's a good team. They're a playoff team every year, um, but they're just not this is not the optimal build as we've seen. Like there hasn't been a team. And again, like I'm a big fan of Kyle Dubas. I'm a big fan of this leaf team, but we have not seen a team win a Stanley cup. That's been constructed like this plain and simple.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'd bring. I'd bring up, you said you'd let John Tavares walk. I won't even bring that up because we'll be here for another hour if we discuss what happens to John. Yeah, Tavares
0: that and... that conversation will come, Lapore. I promise you, the the John Tavares conversation will come up at some point.
1: It's kind of crazy to think he like, he could resign in the summer. That's. I nuts. really
0: hope the Leafs don't resign Tavares. Like, you want to hear my my take on the situation? What? I I just think that they should strip him of the captaincy. Like, I think they need a new captain. I think they really got to shake things up.
1: You're saying um, like this summer, do that, like before he even. I would even
0: do it. Yeah, I would
1: even do uh, it before
0: before his deal expires. We've seen other teams do this
1: in the past, like the San Jose Sharks. you can't um, keep them. I think that I think if you do that, you have to get rid of them, and that's I don't know.
0: Like I just, I listen. I like the guy. I respect him. I respect him as a person, as a player. He's done great for the community, but I just don't like this guy as the captain moving forward.
1: Okay, but they say say his deal is up, and he he's okay. Guys, three years, ten million, and I'll give Austin the C. We'd do that. Come on.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't mind that. I just think it it's gotten to the point now where you just I think you just have to move on from Tavares. And as much as he wants to stay here, and his family probably wants to stay in Toronto, I just think you have to move on, man. Those I really time. do. Like I just and and it's also just comes down to the point of just shaking up this roster a little bit. Like, can you imagine they bring Tavares back? It's the same four guys with Morgan Riley. And we're back at square one, figuring out, okay, how do we build this team again? Scared shitless if Brad Bradshaw Living's going to make decisions like signing Max Domi and Ryan Reeves and Tyler Pertuzzi. I just think at some point you have to break up this core four. And the easiest thing to do is waiting for Tavares' deal to expire. Let him walk. Give the seat to Matthews. Give the seat to Morgan Riley, I wouldn't mind seeing Riley as the captain. I don't know how other people feel about that. No, I think he'd be a great captain. I thought
1: he should. I was pitching him to be captain when the discussion was being had. I'm like, everyone's like, oh, Tavares, Matthews. I'm like, I'd like Riley to be captain. He's the one who's been there a long time. He's he's shown he's loyal. I'd, I'd give it to Morgan Riley. It's yeah. less loud. It's less loud than, say, a Matthews.
0: Yeah, I don't mind Matthews as... Staying as the assistant captain. I, th- I think Morgan Riley honestly has more captain qualities than Matthews. He's obviously not as good as Matthews, but I think he'd be a better captain than Matthews. Yeah,
1: whatever that means in today's NHL, not like when yeah. we grew up. Yeah.
0: Anyway, there is one last topic we wanted to get to, but we are kind of up against the clock here, Lapore So maybe yeah. we save it.
1: Yeah, we'll save it. I mean, that one kind of holds, so we'll save yeah, it. We'll
0: save it. So basically what the discussion we wanted to get into was the the playoff pitcher, and we'll talk about that on the next episode, specifically the Western Conference and just how, how much of a gauntlet it is when you look at the top three in the Central, top three in the Pacific. So we'll have, we'll have a longer conversation about that on the next podcast. But Lapore, before we, we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to get off your chest?
1: Looking forward to the weekend, man. Going to see the Buds play the Ottawa Senators. Lapore will uh, be in the building. Boots on the ground. Yeah, as you like to say, Bruno, boots on the ground. We'll celebrate that victory on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we're going to feast. And celebrate with champagne with the San Francisco 49ers winning the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, it's too bad because Patrick Mahomes is going to win his third Super Bowl. He's going to (laughs) win Super Bowl MVP. Taylor Swift is going to go running into the arms of Travis Kelsey (sighs) after he catches eight passes for 112 yards and a touchdown. It's going to be great. I'm going to win all my bets. You're mm. going to win all of your Chiefs' bets, even though you're going to be sad at the same time that your 49ers lost the game yeah. and continue their Super Bowl drought. 49ers, low-key, man. Haven't won a Super Bowl, as you said, since 95, is it? Yeah, man. Man, don't oh, man. Long.
1: Like I said, two Super Bowl losses. I don't know. I have to go back and count how many uh, NFC Championship games. Sucks, man. Are, to, are to are think they man.
0: Slowly becoming the Toronto Maple Leafs? Michael Lepore?
1: No, bro. They're making they're making it far every year. They're just not getting it done. They're not the That's Toronto fair. Maple Leafs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're not quite in the same uh, category as the Cowboys at Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah, and uh, we take a Leafs cup in the
0: 90s. <laughs> By <laughs> yeah, the way. Oh exactly. my god. Oh man, but that is going to do it for episode 132 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast or GFP. A Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. A very exciting weekend is on tap, as Lapore said. The Toronto Maple Leafs will take on the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa on Saturday night. Michael Lapore, boots on the ground, will be in the building in Ottawa. And then uh, enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Let us know in the comments. I know this is a hockey podcast, but let us know who you like to win the Super Bowl in the comments. Chiefs. 49ers, any other bold predictions or bets that you have heading into the game, we would love to hear from you. But uh, that is going to do it for episode 132. As I always say, if you really enjoyed the content, if you're a long-time listener, first-time listener, it's a huge help if you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube... We would love you so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Enjoy the weekend, and we will see you in the next one.
1: Thanks, everyone.